You're listening to 30 Minute Expert. I'm Katie. And I'm Zach. Every episode, I challenge Zach to become an expert on a totally random topic. And if that's not hard enough, I only have 30 minutes to do it. We want to prove that no matter who you are, or how much education you have, with a little help from the internet, anyone can become an expert on any topic in the world. How you doing, lady? Whew. Pretty good. Doesn't it feel kind of weird to be recording on a weekday? Yeah. Guys, we're recording on a weekday because we have an exciting weekend ahead and we won't have time to do a podcast. Yeah, it's strange. I don't remember the last time that we recorded on a day other than Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I know. We've been pushed to the limit lately. Yeah, for (laughs) real. Uh, But today, I have a topic for you. And this is a very random one. I was watching a commercial the other day and I saw something on the TV. And I said to myself, what the heck is that? I've been seeing that my whole life. Uh, It seems ridiculous, and I've never heard of it in any other context other than these commercials. What is the deal with... A Chia Pet. (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) Good guess. What is the deal with Publisher's Clearinghouse? Oh, yeah. So these are those commercials... Where, again, I've never heard of Publishers Clearinghouse in any context outside of these commercials where they show up at people's doors with huge styrofoam checks and (laughs) present them with $10,000 a week for the rest of their life. Like, that's the whole commercial. And it's like, you won the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes. But, like, what is that? Yeah, what is this money coming from? How do you enter? I want to enter. Yeah, what are they advertising? I don't know any. And it's a weird answers. name too, right? Like, yeah. public, like what does that mean? So I'm very I know. curious. Is it in? Is it? Does it? Did they do anything besides the checks? I have absolutely no idea. That's what I want to know. All right, this sounds crazy. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty short intro because I feel like I laid it all out there. Yeah. No, I feel you. It might. I mean, this is interesting. We've never investigated like a company before. Uh, that's not necessarily true. What have we done? Uh, well, I guess you can think of it more as products, but like Gatorade. Oh, that's um, true. That's true. Silly putty. That's definitely a product, though. Um, but anyway, yeah, to me, this falls squarely under the category of something that I say everyone, but most people have heard of, but like... Americans, at least. Yeah, but like who on, who like, who the heck knows what that actually is? I will. We're going to find out. I'll tell you. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to go somewhere. Oh, well, you can go, but people listening, don't go anywhere. Oh, yeah, good advice. Don't go anywhere, guys. Okay, this was random. Yeah? Okay, (laughs) good. And just, like, weird. I'm it's so weird. Couldn't be more interested. All right, it's a decently good story, so at least there's that. Okay. Um, let's just get into it. Yeah. So, what the heck is Publishers Clearinghouse, everyone? It is a direct marketing company that markets merchandise and magazine subscriptions with sweepstakes and prize-based games. 
so weird. Why so has that never come across in one of the <laughs> 150,000 commercials I've seen over my lifetime? Yeah, I ne- like no idea. I had zero idea this is what they do. So they sell, you said products or did you say merchandise merchandise, well, merchandise and, and magazine subscription yeah so to let's whom do they sell to these things anyone who will buy it let's get okay. into it so um this began back in 1953 a man named harold mertz in port washington new york he was a manager of a door-to-door sales team for magazine subscriptions and okay. at that time it's so like quaint, but like that's how you got a magazine. A dude, w- always a dude, would walk <laughs> up to your door, knock on the door, and say, Hello, ma'am, do you want a magazine? And like he'd have his little, I don't know, I don't even know how he'd do it. He'd probably show you some paper and you would, and you would say, Yes, I would like that magazine. Then you'd probably write him a check. It just all yeah, kinds of I would imagine they probably things. carried samples and would like, yeah, get the first one. They that lasted, I mean. I've experienced that in my life. I don't. I'm sure that still goes on somewhere, but yeah. especially for like fundraiser type of things. Oh I, yeah. I don't think I ever did a fundraiser like this, but definitely have heard of, especially growing up, kids having to do selling magazines to magazine subscriptions totally. for their baseball team and yeah. stuff like that. I think I've done that. I also sold Girl Scout cookies door to door, but um, but even the the door to door magazine like salesperson, not mm-hmm. fundraising. Uh, baseball player but like actual that's their job I'm pretty sure I remember interacting with those people in my lifetime like growing up them knocking on our door there was no need for them after 1953 because Harold Mertz had this great idea along with his wife Lou Esther L-U capital E Esther no way yeah this is a real name Uh, and their daughter Joyce they started this company in his basement in 1953 um, no one ever starts companies in the attic, do they? No, because it's the garage or the basement. Yeah, much more sane. You are oddly more afraid of attics than you are basements. Yeah, I, I am. feel like a basement has a lot more potential to be disgusting and scary than your average attic. I'm afraid of both. Okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> um, so what he did is he mailed out. Uh, 10,000 envelopes from his home on Long Island and he offered 20 magazine subscriptions in the envelope I guess so you'd get a mailer and you'd and you had 20 options right there in front Mm -hmm. of you and he received 100 orders I guess from that first mailing 10,000 yes okay which is not ideal but for the price of what was then a three cent stamp he could send all these out and think about it every every one of those 10,000 that's 10,000 doors he didn't have to knock on right so that's massive when yeah, you think of the game that is a good point and honestly i mean maybe this is just me but i feel like i would be more receptive to to a good offer that shows up in the mail rather than somebody knocking at my door well, I, I, that, but that's probably just me it's like if i see someone knocking at the door i'm like I automatically don't want whatever you're well, selling. Well, that's culturally for us, or or I, not even culturally, but generationally. Like back then, that you is, got that's your milk from Everybody the door. Was you got your everything. Door door now, then. if someone's yeah. knocking on your door, you're like, "What on earth could you want?" There's no need for this. Yeah. So, um, so it really, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but it was kind of a groundbreaking idea. And within a couple of years, the the company moved out of his basement and moved into an office and started hiring people and was like a real 
you know, a real company. This so, is what they do. Question. Um, mm-hmm. What is the deal with selling magazine subscriptions? So he gets a, a hundred orders that come in. You said right. He gets a commission. So that's how the door to door salesman works, he's and that's how this works. A whole sale, like like does he actually deliver the magazines or distribute them oh, at all, no. or he just forwards along the yeah, subscription and gets a just, commission on? Okay, th- yeah, I get he's it. just a salesman. I wonder how much. Like, uh, I wonder how. I have... know how much. Oh, cool. Uh, by the so. Okay, so spoiler alert, they grow into this massive company. I figured that's where this was going. So they got... It'd they be could, pretty funny to start yeah. with, like, a story that just fizzles out <laughs> And then I'm like, years. and then it didn't work then out Then you great. go to the real story. Uh, <laughs> so he, um, so as PCH, as I'll call it, Publisher's Clearinghouse, um, grew in the industry, as its power grew and place in the industry grew, they could demand the lowest subscription rate from publishers so they could get the highest commission essentially okay because they would still sell it at the same price yeah yeah Yeah. or or both probably the low subscription rate for their for the people and then a high commission rate for themselves by the 1990s pch sold 8 million subscriptions annually with commission rates between 74 percent and 90 percent like, like uh, sorry, seventy-four to ninety percent per cover price of the magazine. Is that am I understanding that? Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. They get seventy-four to ninety percent of what the people pay. Wow. So yeah. a five-dollar so magazine, they get are getting 10%. between like four dollars and like four dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, and you're like, why would anyone agree to this? But I, but what I that is crazy. What I learned, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. So they increased circulation so much that it was worth it for the publishers to give them this commission because the publisher could charge more for advertising in the magazine so it became like i bet a lot of these publishers like their revenue streams it wasn't subscriptions weren't even their main source of revenue it was advertising and they could charge more and probably get more ads the more subscription there was that just reminded me of I think we talked about something else before on the show uh, that there was a similar story, and I think it was Evil Knievel. Didn't he do something like that? Not selling magazines, but it was something where he was able to like bump up his ticket price or his price of ad, or he got a really good deal on advertising his events because he did X, oh, Y, yeah. and Z. There was something like that, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, he was a real crafty guy, and I remember what you're talking about. That exactly. I'm having like an. We'll of the memory. Hey, that's what it was though he was able to get a really good deal advertising his events because of something, something. x y and z that yeah. he that he i do out. remember what you're talking about uh-huh. okay so, this is okay so are we in the 90s now or was that a no, little jump ahead? that was a little jump ahead okay. we're back uh to 1967 which was the fateful year when they started offering the sweepstakes prize okay and the funny thing i don't know i always find this funny because it's like you, we associate it with them. They're the ones. They have the sweepstakes. Do you know why they did it? Because Reader's Digest did it first. So oh, they really? just copied that. They saw that it worked well for Reader's Digest. So they're like, okay, we'll do it. Which is always interesting because sometimes I think I prize the original over anything. But it, but it's like if the remix is better, the remix is better. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, so how does it work? Like by buying a subscription, you're automatically entered? That sort of thing? No. See, I mean, we'll get into it in, in depth. But it's not that. What it is is you – so what it started with is – it was a chance to win anything from a dollar to five thousand dollars, and all the person had to do was fill out a card 
and the card I don't know exactly how they would get the card itself but maybe it would be just mailed to them or something and uh, they fill out this contact card and the card already had a unique contest entry number on it uh-huh. and so they would all you have to do to enter is fill out that card and mail it back you don't have to buy anything. I bet, um, is that like a law with sweepstakes? Because everything, every commercial here or like back of a cereal box you read, every like 100% they say no purchase necessary. All right. Let's wait on that. Okay. Um. So, okay. So you understand the difference from a lottery, right? Lottery, obviously, purchase necessary, buy the lottery ticket. Yeah. This and all different. of the losers are the ones who fund the winner. Right. In that sense. Right. Yeah. And this is not that because no one's technically funding anything. Yeah. Uh, so if you are familiar with their claim, you already may already be a winner. Mm. You know, okay, how I've they heard say that. that. I didn't know that was them, though, but oh, that's, okay. that, I've heard that before. So how are they able to legally say that? Because when they sent the cards out with those unique numbers on it, they already knew what was the winning number. So legally, oh, technically, they could say you may already be a winner because you might be. If yours is the number they already picked, you might already be a winner. Okay, as opposed to sending out all these cards and then drawing a number to yes. see who wins and... and I, so, okay, that's so a the issue minor was, distinction, but I get how that but it makes, makes it a difference. True. Yeah. Uh, the issue, though, is if no one returned that card, they didn't have to pay anyone for anything. So they did this whole thing, all these people, and they don't have to pay anything out. People started to get upset about that and question if anyone actually won. So mm-hmm. they actually started offering a second chance drawing where they would actually make a draw from the cards that got sent back. Okay. So um, for nearly 25 years now, so that was 1967 they started. For nearly 25 years, PCH is the only big magazine direct sales subscription deal around. They've got a monopoly 100%. In 1977, when uh, a new business formed, Uh (laughs) I don't know how you say it, a new business happened. Started? Yes. Called American Family Publishers, AFP. AFP. (laughs) and they so apparently some magazines like time and mccall's mccall's was a really big thing but i don't know if it's around anymore you know what time is right of course (laughs) um so i think they were holding out being like we don't want to pay you these extreme oh so those two were never available through publishers clearing i don't know if they literally never were but let's say they were kind of holding out Uh so uh so afp got them some i don't know if they accepted lower rates or whatever so but that made them competitive right because they have these magazines that are unavailable through pch and Mm -hmm. everyone wants those magazines so they they basically start up doing the same thing and then they start their own sweepstakes thing because they're like that worked well (laughs) i just think it's so funny that everyone is like this is what you do it has nothing to do with anything but we're all doing sweepstakes yeah it's so weird i mean we haven't gotten to the 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 real question yet but i'll ask it now you don't have to answer it now hmm. was this just them giving away their profit like nothing more nothing less than them giving away money yes okay i'll um, go into it more later but the answer is yes okay i think that was my only question so um so they start their own sweepstakes everyone is like now it becomes an arms race of 
well, a sweepstakes race of like <laughs> who can offer the most money, who's got the better sweepstakes. Well, this is great for the American citizen. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, fantastic for the American citizen. Battling each other to give away their money. <laughs> yeah, can no, give away it's more. true. And then um, people got bored of it and were like, we don't care about sweepstakes. So they started offering luxury items like cars, boats, private planes. You know, a things that you horse. can buy with sweepstakes money. Yeah, true. But it's more exciting. A racehorse. Yeah, I guess. Like maybe one time they offered a racehorse. Probably the one time they offered it, they were like, this is a terrible idea. We can't do this anymore. But I don't really know for sure. Mm-hmm. So in uh, until 18, uh, 1985, AFP bumped up their grand prize from 200000 to $10 million, And PCH felt that they needed to do the same. Oh, wait. Can I ask another question? Mm-hmm. How often were these uh, sweepstakes happening? How often was a winner <laughs> being picked? Honestly, I don't know. It feels like it's just constant. And I don't yeah. know how often winners emerge. Okay. Because it just feels like any second you can just enter. Okay, but like several a year probably, but yeah. also probably not like every week. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I'm not positive, but let's go with that. So, um, so to promote the sweepstakes, AFP hired a celebrity spokespeople, Ed McMahon and Dick Clark. Hmm. Uh, do you know who you know who Dick Clark is? Yeah, right? he yeah. did Rockin' New Year's Eve. That's yeah. how I know him. And then Ed McMahon was um, he like introduced Johnny Carson? He was the one I, who said, "I Here's don't, I, I know him as a late night talk show personality." Yeah, but like, I, me too. I sound very stupid because I'm sure everyone out there knows who he is. But like, I don't know if he hosted a show or if that's was that Ed McMahon who introduced yeah, Johnny Carson. Apparently, that was him. I don't know. I just know he's like an old time late well, night. Well, good. Person. We have an idea. That's basically all we need right now but so those were big time guys those were like the big but also guys. in our defense uh for the last <laughs> our entire childhood probably neither of them were really much no. of anything they were just famous for being yeah. famous 30 years prior so cut yes. us some slack they will they will no Thank one you. who listens to this podcast probably knows who they are does anyone listen my to this mom. podcast <laughs> <laughs> no because i'm just thinking maybe our audience is very young and hip and so ah I don't know. You're right. Congratulations to everyone who does and doesn't know who Ed McMahon is. It's getting hot in here. Fantastic. <laughs> so um, so because of this, they went with these celebs, and that was like a really cool, great idea. PCH had to come up with their own idea. So that's where they came up with the idea of this more personal touch, and they introduced the Prize Patrol, which is a... A group of people who act- actual employees of PCH who show up at your house with balloons and flowers and champagne and a giant check. I've seen those people. Yeah, right? Yeah. We've all seen them. Um, so, and then that that's what you see on the commercials and, it, and that's what became their whole advertising campaign is filming people. They come out, you know, they start to cry. Yeah. They call their daughter and say, you won't believe what happened and whatever. Uh, so that's it. That's the Prize Patrol. They're still they're still at it today. Wait, I want that job. I want to be on the Prize Patrol. Okay, we'll look it up. I'm go- I am going to look that up. Okay, good. So, um, so that's basically like the history of it. Um, you want to know your chances of winning the PCH jackpot, which is the um, the jackpot is the ten million dollars. Okay. It's one in one billion two hundred fifteen million five hundred thousand. Now, how is that? Is that like a? 
does that jackpot like roll over and it would take so many times of someone not claiming the prize for it to get that high and that's why the odds are so low because it's not like there's a billion entrants there's no I way think, i don't know but, i wonder but i'm not positive because i'll tell you what's going on today that makes me be like maybe there are a billion entrants i don't know so um they're five thousand dollars a week for life which is their like you know the big thing yeah uh is one in one billion seven hundred and fifty million so it's even worse that's insane yeah that's like that's it's totally insane yeah i mean i get that you don't have to purchase anything to be in the drawing but like man your odds are like 10 times better playing the lottery that's worth that's the crazy thing it is it's like your odds are way better playing the lottery but again it's free but you got to pay for lottery so yes as you keep saying it's free right do you have any um we like thoughts about this of like them being kind of like scammy or something no i no honestly okay all i know are their commercials where they give away money i feel like that's it I have a little bit like I maybe it was a little bit on my radar and so that's a big thing that if you look them up and you do some research into them you'll come across and it's interesting because yeah how um, are they scammy they're not that's the thing like like the whole See, thing I knew it I knew they were good people <laughs> the whole thing about them um they're technically not scammy because you don't have to purchase anything to be entered into the sweepstakes. The problem is people don't understand that, you know? And unfortunately, this is like, it gets kind of really sad to me, but um, especially older people, elderly people, will be confused and think that purchasing subscriptions is what enters you into the contest and or helps your odds of winning. Oh, okay. So even if they're not directly saying that, uh, if people are getting that impression, now they're spending all this money and thinking it's going to make them win when it's not. And so that's kind of bad. Well, it's also kind of on that person. Well, yeah, it's always on that person, but there's reasons why there's laws against, like, misrepresentation because, Yeah, I mean, yeah, if if they're... If they're doing anything to make it seem like purchasing raises yeah. your chances of winning, obviously that's that's definitely messed up. But I would imagine that they don't make it very difficult to enter. Or I mean, I'm sure every magazine that they sell comes with a little thing that falls in your lap as you're flipping through. That's like, here's your card to enter. Yeah. Either go online or mail this in. You know, like it's, it's probably true, not a secret. So no, it's not a secret. But it, it just I feel like it's one of those things that is like kind of targeted yeah towards predatory a yeah bit. exactly yeah. exactly it feels kind of predatory um this is like but also awful. i don't this, know you're trading them a magazine for some money they're still getting their yeah but like better this homes and anecdote which i'm about to tell you which like made my stomach hurt oh. um one um also uh, wait hold up what i will just say uh how about the lottery being predatory oh totally how many billions totally. of dollars does that take out of people's pocket every yes. year like so okay yes that, but that said um let's hear the anecdote anecdote so the anecdote is that um one elderly gentleman died in 1999 and his his estate discovered that he had magazine subscriptions with P- pch that were paid until 2086 Wow. So that's like how many subscriptions he bought. 
because he, he thought, thought that every win. Yeah, yeah, that every purchase was like right? another Right, so when you hear that, it makes drawing. you be like, oh, this is problematic. Like, yeah. the fact that that's able to happen at all, that's not right. Was he, like, very wealthy? <laughs> I don't think so. I bet a lot of his estate went to these magazines. Probably his beneficiaries were upset. Yeah, but, but also... They got a lot of magazines coming away, so that's pretty exciting. You get a reminder <laughs> oh, yeah, of Grandpa yeah, yeah. every month for All the right. next four decades. So there's decades. there's a big scandal in 1992. This buy-to-win theory uh, was basically like a lot of people thought it was proven true by this scandal when sanitation workers found hundreds of unopened sweepstakes entries in a dumpster. This is just like the election. Yeah, it is. And it was all from people who hadn't made a purchase. Uh, So they were like, look, they're just throwing away the envelopes of people who didn't buy anything. So what PCH said, and apparently this is the truth for them, is that they can tell who ordered a subscription or and who didn't without even opening the mail. I don't know how they can, like, scan the the window, Mm -hmm. the envelope window. And so... They, uh, so you know they don't they don't need to open the others. Apparently, they were like digitally, electronically scanned and entered into the sweepstakes, and then they don't have to open the envelopes because they didn't make a purchase. And then they would open the ones who did make a purchase. Yeah, so and also, yeah, it. that makes sense to automate the process rather than having yeah, people sitting there tearing open thousands of envelopes. When just you make already it have people thinking that yeah. this is a scam, and they're saying you don't have to buy anything to win, and then they're only opening the envelopes of the winners and you find a gigantic pile in the garbage of envelopes of not of non-purchasers it just doesn't look good i totally agree but i guess the question is was that their policy to just not open any envelope that wasn't a purchase because yeah, like then that it was. pile that these guys found one time was probably one of a million piles that yeah, they always threw exactly in. okay so it i mean like yeah was. i agree it looks bad but then when you hear the explanation assuming it's true it's like well then yeah but what are you you're being a reasonable person listening when since when is the american public a reasonable person listening no they're gonna jump to all these conspiracy conclusions come on now so um so they they actually entered all of those discarded forms into their upcoming one million ten million and one million dollar drawings tell me someone won i don't know i don't know that um and then uh, you know, bad press. It was bad for them, but it doesn't seem to have had a huge impact. Um, and according to PCH, a majority of sweepstakes winners have not have never purchased anything from the company. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, that probably that makes sense. I would think. Yeah. Way less people are buying subscriptions than are when right. they get approached. However, that happens. So in the mid '90s, um, this is when the fed- state and federal governments became concern that the sweepstakes mailings are either straight up misrepresentation or just kind of like borderline deceitful Mm -hmm. so um because okay so here's a picture for you in giant block letters the the card that you would send in proclaim the recipient uh was the grand prize winner followed by much smaller print saying if you return your entrance form and it displays the winning number so it says like you've won the grand prize if you actually won the grand prize yeah so right like we understand how this is especially predatory toward elderly people 
Uh, it's the same thing as like dumb emails you get now that are like, "You have we have five thousand dollars for you," and you're like, "Oh my god, you do?" Yeah. No, they don't. You know, it's it's that. So it wasn't literally a lie, but it was deceptive. It felt deceptive, and people and the, again, like another thing that is just so sad to hear, like people older older people would buy a car like but you know make big purchases thinking oh, oh i won yeah, like i'm gonna get all sad. this money right and then yeah. they do something that's like detrimental to themselves and see, what bothers me is that what is pch gaining from that like why do the why do you need that language on your card like right. especially if that if that card is not even meant to solicit a purchase if that card is just like this is what you well, send in to enter. Well, of course it's like meant to solicit a purchase in a way. I know, but still on the card, I'm sure it says plainly no purchase necessary like Well, the- here's the thing, maybe it didn't say it plainly before because okay. um cuz that's part of this what I'm getting into which is regulation that came up. So, um also another thing that is like so lousy um, not only is the language on the card itself confusing, uh, scam artists pop up <laughs> using this to their advantage. So after the mailings go out, scammers would call people and say, hey, like, I heard you won. Like, mm. did you see your card? You won. You just have to pay, like, this $1,000 processing fee, and then we'll show up at your door with a giant check. Oh, wow. And so people are like, okay, and they pay it. It yeah, sucks, that that right? that does suck. Oh, it really it like makes my heart hurt so bad. It's just like, ugh, it's the worst. So, uh so as as it says and I should say, the legitimate companies like PCH and AFP at the time uh were not involved in these scammy plans, but like they, you know, kind of facilitated it and therefore they got backlash because of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so first of all, in 1999, AFP filed for bankruptcy because they faced a lot of uh, personal lawsuits. So did PCH, but there were so many lawsuits Their that they filed for like, bankruptcy. Guys, I told you, you can't give away $14 million <laughs> every month. It's true. So, um, also in 1999, Congress... How do you file for bankruptcy when your whole company revolves around giving away money? (laughs) Like, just pump the brakes on giving away so much money. Yeah, true. Guys? Uh, So, in 1999, Congress passed the Deceptive Mail Prevention and Enforcement Act, also known as the Sweepstakes Law. And so, among other things, this law says that sweepstakes must include the odds of winning... Mm. A schedule of when payments will be made, reiterate that no purchase is necessary to play, and that purchasing isn't going to help your odds of winning, and that uh, there are no no fees. The winner won't have to pay any fees other than taxes. Okay, so if you read that fine print, then you would know not to pay. But that's the thing, like, it shouldn't be fine print anymore. It should be clear. It should be obvious. All of these things. I know, but. I mean, I agree with you. That should be known. No, but no, also... I'm saying this is what the law says. I'm not saying, like, they should do it. This is what the law said, that it must be, like, clear and on everything, these pieces of information. Yeah, inf- 
in literal fine print, which is perhaps just, still in fine. I don't print. think fine print necessarily needs to mean like they're trying to get you not to miss it. It's just like, well, we have to fit a lot on here, so we're going to make it small and like yeah, d- yeah. not make it detract from the design of our advertisement. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's still. I, hey, I knew that. Like I said, from reading the back of a cereal box mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. Like I've definitely seen those, but. Um, Okay, so that was 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I had another question. That's okay. I don't remember it right now, but maybe so, it'll come back to me. Okay, since that law went into effect, um, PCH has paid out millions of dollars in settlements for class action suits over their marketing tactics. Uh, in 2000, they paid out $48 million, uh, In lawsuits? Yeah, because they're settling. They're not. They're, they're so that settling. was on the on the heels of this new uh, yes. mm-hmm. law. Yeah. Okay. So they settled for forty eight million in two thousand, thirty four million to twenty six states in two thousand one, and then three point five million to thirty four states in two thousand ten. And wow. that's just the most updated that I have. It could be more now. So it's not. I mean, when I hear that, it's like, I don't know. Maybe they are. You know, when you settle, it's supposed to be uh, you're not you're not admitting to anything. You're just settling. But uh, so maybe they just think settling is cheaper than actually pursuit, like going to trial, which maybe they're right. Right. They cannot change their ways mm-hmm. and continue to make money, enough money to pay out these settlements and still be profitable. Yeah. So speaking of them being profitable, uh, they still offer magazine subscriptions, but it sounds to me... Like, they became what, to me, is, like, QVC. Because they started selling stuff in the yeah, mid-80s. Yeah, I want to know what kind of merchandise they sell. Just, like, anything. They sell Well, I'm looking for some stuff. Tell in me. the 80s, they sold VHS tapes, okay. audio cassettes. That makes sense. Collectible I mean, that's... knives, jewelry, vitamins, flower. Like, now it we're getting further like... from magazines. Right, but it sounds like QVC. Yeah. Like, it's just totally yeah, random. Uh, what would they, would they send out catalogs to all the people on their mailing list? Like, how was this... Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I guess that's what they would do. Uh In 1999, big news, launch of PCH.com. Oh, wow. 1999 was .com, boom, everyone had a .com. (laughs) Uh, So PCH.com, people could register for the sweepstakes without sending in a card. Mm -hmm. So now you can do it online. Um, Now, this is like so wild to me. So this still is happening now. PCH.com still happening now so their whole i mean other than expanding into merchandise everything that you've described so far is unchanged to how they operate today yeah okay yeah um but oh but now they have uh they just have all this stuff online like they have a a casino online you know like casino games you just play all these games online (laughs) um they have a search engine that every time you use the search engine uh, it's a chance, like it enters you a chance to win prizes. And then what I read was the casino games you play online, you don't win any money, you don't spend any money, and you don't win any money. Mm-hmm. You just play. Obviously, they're advertising all over For the sure. site while you're playing. And your winnings from the casino are entries into sweepstakes. I'm, I'm gonna play. This. I know you are. I shouldn't even tell you. This about sounds it. kind of awesome. They have a PCH iPhone app. Like it's happening. Uh, I'm so. Um, I love this. 
this is becoming one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. <laughs> I'm glad you love it. I think I came away from it feeling. Um, I'm not saying I love PCH. This is my favorite like thing story. we've ever covered. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just very satisfied with this story. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's interesting. As of I think this was from 2017, five million people visit their website every single day to play games in their virtual casino. Um, like I said, they just run ads while you're in there, so they're making money off you being in there, and mm-hmm. then you win entries into the sweepstakes. Uh, the they range from a thousand dollars to their grand prize of five thousand dollars a week forever. Uh, and then, so now I'm saying, how can they afford this? Right? Yeah. This sounds crazy. Well, what first of all, what does forever mean? It means the winner's lifetime and the lifetime of another person of their choice, usually their spouse or their child. Why would you pick your spouse? I don't know, because you love them. Yeah, but like, I don't know, pick your I know, I youngest kid. Right, The youngest yes. person you know. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> the youngest person you know. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so let's say together that quote-unquote lifetime is a hundred years if which it's a, honestly is probably rare i would imagine yeah the average winner of publisher's clearing how sweepstakes is like 72 years old right so the if, even if it was a hundred years the payout is 26 million dollars oh that's a ton i mean is that supposed that's to not sound like money. a lot of money but according to this company they bring in almost a billion dollars a year so twenty six million Big is nothing yeah. out of a billion. Well, how many people you know. out there are living on these? Right, and like five thousand dollar a week. Few people are winning, and also, like we said, a hundred years is like pretty extreme to think yeah, that it yeah. would actually even pay out that. According to the company's website, they've given away four hundred and sixty five million dollars over their entire history of the company. Oh come on, that's Newman's half done more of than what that. they make in a year. I mean that's right. So that's cool. It's a lot, but it but it explains like how they're able to do it. Yeah, they just make that much money that they're able to give this much away. Yeah, I mean, how many other companies are out there? Just even if even if like okay, that's where all your sales come from is like you could call it you know kind of deceiving people to get those sales. But it's like okay, but we're giving half of it away. I mean, not a lot of companies no, are doing that. They're no, they're not giving half of it away. That's over the entire history of the company. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, they need shut down. <laughs> this is criminal. Yeah. No, it's not criminal, but it but that's very different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I feel like an idiot for saying what I just said. That's yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and okay. it's just, you know, I mean, yes, they're not technically doing anything wrong. Right. But are there people out there who think that they need to buy a bunch, a bunch of magazine subscriptions so they can win $5,000 a week for life? Yes, we know there are because there's, you know, yeah. we've seen the evidence. So, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I feel like it's it's just interesting. It's good to know the facts. Yeah, I, this is very interesting. But, I, I mean, I'm not trying to defend them as much as I am just thinking, like, it's, it seems easy to pick on them, but... How different is this from selling women $32 bottles of shampoo so they yeah. to tell them that they're going to look more beautiful when right. they use this? You know, like, you know, and you could, There's you all could make that comparison of... with, with millions of things. Yeah. The car you drive, the brand on, you know, the logo on your t-shirt. It's like all stuff like that. that... Hey, I, we get it, Zach. You're anti-capitalist. You think capitalism sucks. No, that's not at all <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm saying, like... 
they're not doing anything. Like, no, it's true. Yeah, they're that's not doing what, anything that, that's that, that what different from a shampoo is. company. That's you know? what a, and, all of our society is, yeah. is. Is stuff like this. So you're right. It's not that different than what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Uh, this I think is from Wikipedia. It's just like hilarious because I don't really know what the citations are, but they do have sites after them. Um, your odds of winning a Powerball jackpot are better than winning the grand prize from PCH. You're also significantly more likely to die in an asteroid strike, become a movie oh, wow. star, or be drafted by the NBA. <laughs> okay. That's great, but the asteroid strike is... I know. That's How many people fun. are dying by asteroid strikes? That's None. terrifying. Like, that doesn't no, make any sense. Clearly they are. There's a there's a site, there's a footnote after that. I'm gonna go click it and tell you what it is. Catherine, Not now. Did you say this drafted to the NBA was one of them? Yes. The NBA drafts probably I'm going to guess hundred and forty players a year. Yeah, and there's seven billion on the earth. So you think hundred and forty people a year get killed by asteroids? No, I'm just saying that you're that more people. No, this is like one in se- uh, seven billion or whatever I said. Uh, so no, I'm not saying that. Okay. Yes, great. I told you it was from Wikipedia. Cut me a break. Yeah, I mean, typically I trust every single thing I read on there, and that's hardly too. a joke. But uh, that seems ridiculous. Let's look up how many people die every year from asteroid no, strikes. No, let's not. No, I want to know. I'm curious. Okay. Can I just like... Okay, fine. Look it up. Look okay, it up. but yeah, keep going. No, I only have one thing left. Okay, well now we have to edit out this clip. <sighs> asteroid strike. Oh, damn. How many? Are we live? Yes. Although... No human is known to have ever been killed directly by an impact of an asteroid. Over a thousand people were injured by the Chelyabinsk meteor airburst event in Russia in 2013. Over a thousand people. See? Wait, but you said killed by an asteroid. That's just injured. Okay. Uh, in 2005, it was estimated that the chance of a single person born dying due to uh, the impact of an asteroid is around one in 200,000. That's is, a lot. That, that's so many. That's that. Yeah. So Wikipedia is validated. They feel good. How can that be true, though? Okay, let's not do this. This is. I will just assign you asteroid strike for next week. Okay. No, that's okay. Okay. So, great. Glad Assign we figured that out. Guys, just for fun, this is why we started this podcast, because you say one thing to Zach, and it's like he has to learn everything about it. Remember that thing about the toothpicks? And yes. The... Once no, let's not he go. got into his head, <laughs> how many toothpicks could fit in, what was it? What stadium it, was it? It was the old hockey arena in the Pittsburgh. Old the old hockey arena, arena in Pittsburgh. How many toothpicks could fit in there? For the next, like, day and a half, all he was doing was math to figure out how many toothpicks could fit well, there because no, he was so Well, no, the problem upset. is I heard somebody right. say a ridiculous figure that, <laughs> yes. I, that was <sighs> embarrassment. All right, great. I'm glad we relived it. So, you want to hear the last thing I have to tell you? Yes. It ties into a recent episode of ours, The Mandela Effect. What? Because uh, there's a large group of people, not us, obviously who are a thousand percent positive that ed mcmahon came to people's doors with publishers clearing house and gave them giant checks Mm. and he never did that 
he only worked for that other company. So it's pretty obvious the connection here that he did work for this other company that's not very well known. So everyone knows Publishers Clearinghouse. Everyone knows Ed McMahon. When they put it together, they think that's what it was. Even me, who barely knows who Ed McMahon is, hearing mm-hmm. you say that, I feel like I've heard people like make jokes about that sort of yes. thing. Yeah. About him showing up at your door with a with a check. Right, you know, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of in on that. Yeah, and it's cool because, um, yeah, people people swear they can remember it happening. It never happened, um, but it's pretty obvious where where the false memory comes from. I guess so. Yeah. Yep. Cool, huh? This was. Uh, I'm not even kidding. I would say this is in my top three favorite that we've ever done. Wow. I'm How impressed with myself. Thank Did you. I make it like a wild ride? Yeah, this was awesome. Okay, cool. Great. I loved it. Every minute of it. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Especially the minute that we had to edit out. Yep, me too. That was the best minute of all. Agreed. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you certainly did Publishers Clearinghouse justice. Oof. I think for releasing this episode, we should both be awarded 7,000 entries in the next drawing. I agree. Um, so if you work for Publishers Clearinghouse, we, um, our DMs are open. We'll be waiting to hear from you. And thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at 30 Minute Expert Podcast, where you can see cool photos of all the things we talked about today. And send us suggestions for future episodes. Also, if you're a real life expert on one of the topics we covered, write to us and let us know what we missed. You can email us at 30 Minute Expert Podcast. That's 30 Minute Expert Podcast at gmail.com. If it's something especially interesting, maybe we'll read it on the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you're really enjoying it, write a review. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye. Bye.